How is it going, everybody? This is Sean Barnes. I want to welcome you to episode 92 of The Way of the Wolf. On the show today, we have a gentleman who has held numerous senior executive and C-suite roles in his career and kind of his corporate life. And he has now transitioned into being a keynote speaker and started Triumph Performance Academy that is focused on helping high-performing men find fulfillment and true value in their lives. So, Pete Vanderveen, welcome to The Way of the Wolf. Thanks, Sean. It's great to be here. I appreciate I love what you're doing with your show, and I'm just happy to be here. Thank you. All right. I appreciate that. So let's go ahead and kick this off. Share a little bit about who you are and how you found yourself starting Triumph. Ooh, great. That's a good question. Um, I've been... Uh, like I went to business school, graduated, and right away got into oil and gas. And I was I was high achiever. I had a hard work ethic, and I started roughnecking and moved my way up quickly into consulting. And obviously, really did well. Kind of became internationally acclaimed in terms of directional and well site optimization, drilling optimization. And I really just continued to pursue that year in and year out. I worked internationally, worked all overseas, worked in the Middle East, South America, North America, and, and I really enjoyed it. But the more that I continue to pursue professional success, the more things were starting to come apart in my personal life. And then if I fast forward, I built almost, I think I'm around at 10, 12 companies at this point. And then most recently, I used to run a Fortune 5 E&P company on the optimization side. So I was doing uh, operations management for them. And so I was running a $12 billion PL, over a thousand reports. And it was prior to that position that I really found who I was and I found what I needed to be, but I found, I guess I got to a certain place in my life where I realized what wasn't working anymore. And I finally, when I, when I approached the ENP provider, it was kind of the pivotal shift for me where I was able to finally apply what I had learned all these years. And I was able to really change culture. I was really able to drive a 300% improvement inside the, the productivity of the company, the days on well, all these things that we were able to reduce by like 85%. But it all came because of the hard work that I had done in my life and, and learning what was important, what wasn't important, what was success, what wasn't success. And so for my life, it's really been a journey of learning the hard way, going through the hard knocks of life, healing, growing, becoming a, a better father, a better husband, a better leader, and then really turning around and maximizing that or utilizing that tool to maximize the success of teams, of companies. And then since I've left that ENP company, I really had a heart to realize that like when I was with, with that Fortune 5 company, there were hundreds of executives getting to retirement and getting to home, getting to home plate on their face. Like marriages were a mess. Kids weren't talking to them. Sure. They had a 401k, but their health, their mental health, everything was just complete dumpster fire. And when I saw that and I saw how much I had to work to get through my stuff, I just really had a heart and a calling to realize like, like there's so many brothers out there that are lost. And there's so many brothers out there that, are trying to fake it till they make it because they think they need to be tough and they think they need to 
have it all together and have this outward Teflon exterior, especially oil and gas. And I just, to me, I'm like, man, there's so many lives. There's so many marriages. There's so many kids being devastated by this. And I think part of that is the, is the breakdown of American society is the home, the families, the structure that people crave, that people need that are being destroyed day in and day out. So that all of that really brought me to a place where I realized Let's change the world by going back and helping our brothers get life right, just like I had to. And when they see that the other there's light at the end of the tunnel, it's a game changer for these guys. Was there something specific that triggered this shift in your perspective? Or is it something that just kind of occurred over a span of a few years? It was it was certainly over a period of, it was over probably 10, 12 years, because I'm the kind of guy, I'm a continuous improvement culture guy, so that's what I do within companies. So if there's a problem, I wanna fix it. The problem in my own life is I tried to fix it, I tried to go to counseling, I tried to go to therapy, I tried to unpack what I was feeling, and none of it did anything. It just, it scratched the itch, and then I'd go home and I'd be like, man, this just isn't working. And next thing you know, I was back to pursuing success, my marriage was falling apart. I wasn't happy inside. And, and I felt like I was in this, this paradigm where I just couldn't make all the pieces fit. And it took me year after year after year of constantly going back and trying to figure out the secret to success and not getting it that continued to drive me to find newer opportunities and newer options to find healing. And I finally went and did some Navy SEAL training. I hired some high profile coaches. And really what they did is they just broke me down and forced me to realize like I had to stop using my masculinity, my six, my strength. I'm six, five two seventy five. Like I'm a big athlete, but, and I think a lot of men and especially oil field guys, like we use our strength as a, as a masking agent, as a mat or as a, we allow our ego to kind of run, steer us down the road. So it's like, what we do is we end up, we end up suppressing our, our weakness and we use our strength to just compensate. We end up being like a, a bull in a China shop. So I started, I was, I knew I was doing that, but what these guys actually did is they forced me to break my, my physicality to a place where I just didn't have, like they wore me down. They had me puking. They had me like literally wanting to die. And, it, but it, what it did is it broke me down to a point where I realized I get it. Like I get that I'm compensating with my strength and they forced me to get to a place where my strength was no longer there. And I had to address what was going on beneath, you know, all the wounds, all the trauma, all the pain of, of my mistakes and my regrets and even my pursuit of success. Like it, it brought me to a new place where I suddenly saw like, wow, this is what's behind, you know, the curtain. And that opened up my eyes. It allowed me to heal. It allowed me to grow. It allowed me to move on. And now it's like, that's the same tool that I use with guys, not the, not the puking, not the exhaustion, but helping them realize like you are an average male. That's in that same avatar that I was struggling, trying to find success, but falling apart emotionally, relationships, family, marriage. It's like that guy is the same guy I was. He's in the same spot I was in the, what I have to do is help them come around full circle, get back to 
finding who they are as a person, loving who they are as a person, realizing that their value comes in them as a person. They're not, you know, they're not a, a well site supervisor. They're not a production engineer. They're not this tough guy, drive a Harley, been divorced three times. Like, you know, I'll show you kind of oil field guy. It's like, you're a daddy, you're a husband, you're, you're a grown up little boy that, you know, used to love to play and, you know, laugh and build forts and dream of, you know, being an astronaut one day, what happened to that, right? You turned it off. So that to me was the pivotal shift for me that I had to go through that journey myself to realize that I had to, there was so much more to life that I wasn't, I didn't even realize it existed until someone forced me to look. And now that's what I use for the next guy. I I appreciate and respect what you have gone through and, and what you're doing now. One of the things that I've also come to realize in working in oil and gas for more than a decade is that you do have a lot of these big, strong men, and that's how they identify. And as they grow into leadership roles, it seems that some of them hang on to that ego probably longer than they should. And it takes a while for them to come to the realization that we are human first and leaders second. And once you do, that is when happiness and fulfillment starts to kind of permeate through all aspects of your life. And once you start to realize the importance of not what you accomplish in your career, but how you help everyone else around you raise up, that's what it's all about. And, and I've kind of come through a, a similar journey, not to the extent that you have, but over the past six to seven years. And I, I absolutely love it. I mean, I feel like this is my new purpose to kind of spread the word and help as many people accomplish great things as, as possible. So when did you start Triumph Performance Academy? I started it kind of when I saw so in 2021 is when I left the ENP. And I stepped into this full time. Prior to that, I'd been working on it, kind of on a part time basis. So it's it's been around five years that I've really uh, I ran the ENP for five years, stepped away. So it's been five to seven years that I've really been, or I'd say five years casually, and then two years really actively that I've been doing this, just really focusing now where I'm going back and I'm trying to find those avatars, those people, those corporations where I can see the same I can see the same you know, issues going on that I think these types of strategies and implementations can make a real difference. I'm dying to know, how has the transition been from high level executive at EMP and oil and gas companies? No doubt you are highly compensated transitioning into full-time entrepreneurship. I see a lot of people that have the ability to make that transition, but they're hesitant to take a step back financially because the first year, the first few years, you're likely not going to make as much money as you're starting and building something up. And I think that holds a lot of people back from going out and doing their own thing. So one, I commend you on taking that leap, but what has been the most challenging aspect of that for you so far? Great question. And I, I'm not going to lie to you that it's been easy. Obviously I've, I've started almost a dozen companies on my own. So I've been in the equity play, hoping for future return 
multiple times, but I've also oftentimes had oil and gas income to supplement it. So it hasn't been the same exposure, but yes, this time stepping away completely from yes, a high six figure income and a lot of accolades and a lot of success and a lot of blue sky potential to step into something that really, who knows what the future of it looks like. It was, it was a big step. And it was, I feel like it was a really, it forced me to really double down on my own growth, on my own value system, because it's easy to step away. And I think of most people, it's not just the finances, it's also their validation, their value, who they feel that they are as a, as a father or as a man, as a leader is oftentimes, you know, it's linked to whatever position they have. So to step away is also, it's like, basically pulling the foundation away from who you are as a man. So it's not only financially scary, it's also like your whole purpose just disappeared. And now you have to redefine who you are. So it's an ego check. So for me, it's, it's been a, it's been helping me refine and redefine and, and really double down on, yes, this is what I'm called to do. But I also had to go through a lot of times where it's like, I have to just trust that I'm, I'm doing the right thing. And I have to believe that if I continue to pour into this, it'll pay dividends. But it, you also have to get to a place where you realize like you're going to have to sacrifice. And with, on the finances, I've had to sacrifice significantly. But I also realize when my quality of life improves, suddenly the finances don't have the same curb appeal as they did before. And I know I, I interesting thing. I had a message this morning from a from an individual on LinkedIn, and he said the same thing. He spent ten years in oil and gas pursuing high net worth, but everything personally was falling apart. And then he lost all his oil field abilities because he was laid off. And now he's had to find something outside the oil and gas. His quality of life has improved tenfold. His finances aren't where they are, but it's like his overall life is much, much better. And I think for me, that, that was the realization that, listen, my kids and my wife matter more than my six figure income. And if I have to sacrifice my income to live a better life and to help other people live a better life, eventually it'll pay dividends. But right now, right here, I just have to take what I can get and be thankful because I know when I had a big six figure, six figure income and I almost lost it all, that would have cost me much, much more. And I would have been starting from zero again anyways, plus all the damage that I had done for the relationships that matter to me. Man, that is a very real challenge in oil and gas. I mean, I think it's common knowledge that booms and busts exist. And I was just having a conversation the other day with somebody about how unfortunate it is that the oil and ga gas industry truly wrecks people's lives. Not everybody, but it will wreck some people's lives because when you consider the amount of money that can be made in oil and gas, it's very appealing. And what happens is people get used to all of that money flowing in month after month, month after month, and they start building a lifestyle around that six figure income. There are field guys that make two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year, and they build a life around that level of income with the expectation that it's never going to dry up. And then inevitably, when the bust occurs or a global pandemic comes and oil goes negative, they all lose their jobs and they have 
houses or boats and jet skis and four-wheelers and razors and trucks and motorcycles and all of that stuff. They've built that life around that level of income. And then all of a sudden, it just completely disappears. And I've seen a lot of people that, that go bankrupt from it and lose everything. And I think how unfortunate that is that they haven't come to the realization of what's truly important in life. And yes, you can actually, I would imagine, you can receive all of that income and then save it. You don't have to live like a rock star all the time. You can actually put some of it away for a rainy day. And then when the, the pandemic hits or the bust occurs, you transition into something else and you're not stressed out. You don't have to go bankrupt. And I guess that's just a way of life for some people in oil and gas. But I've found it to be very interesting to watch time and time again, because I'll see the same people as soon as oil and gas picks back up, they're partying and living like rock stars again it's the it's the craziest thing and and i just i commend you on being able to to step outside of your comfort zone and a question that i have is because you have so much experience in oil and gas is that the primary vertical that you focus on with your clients or do you work with clients in all verticals and technology and healthcare and manufacturing in in other areas it's, it's funny, you make me think of the bumper sticker, right? That's like, God, just give me one more boom. I'll, I promise I won't piss this one away, right? <clears throat> I remember seeing those on so many dog houses. And, but yeah, I, I agree that we, it's, it's a challenge in, in the industry. Is, it's, it's easy to get caught up in the, in the excitement of the money and the excitement of what comes with the money. And it's easy to lose yourself in that. And I would say that my primary focus is oil and gas because I feel like I understand them more than anyone, but I've, I've got NFL athletes. I've got UFC fighters. I've got attorneys. I've got doctors. I've got politicians. And I think it really doesn't matter what industry you're in, especially even in finance, right? Finance, they have the same hunger. They have the same boom and bust. So a lot of these industries, men are still men, men still struggle with their still their insecurities, their need to be providers or need to try to feel significant. Like we all want to be the captain of the football team. We all want all the cheerleaders to, to wave and be proud of us. We all want our daddy to be at a boy. So it, men are men. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. A guy wants to be he wants to be tough. He wants to be seen. He wants to be significant. He wants people to be proud of him. And he wants to go and do things with his hands and create and, and turn around and be like, yes, look, look, look what I did. So what's one of the uh, underlying themes or big challenges that you see a lot of your clients struggle with when they come to you and you just express you've got clients across all sorts of different industries and verticals. Do you see a common theme that they are all struggling with or is it just unique and individual to each person and domain? Well, the, the interesting thing is I find I could literally take the 90 clients that I've had over the last few years and I could lay them one over the other and I could basically show you a carbon copy and it's, it's so crazy. And that's why I almost find it's ironic that 
the med- the the medical, the psychological world that they haven't. I feel like they don't even understand this concept. They don't focus on this concept. But we also realize like modern medicine isn't there to fix the problem. It's there to deal with the symptoms, right? So for me, my passion is like I want to help men get to the root cause, just like in an oil and gas, we got to figure out the root cause of the issue, why we're not drilling fast enough, why we're why we're balling the bit, why we have reduced ROP, all these types of things is like we got to solve the problem, move on, be successful. And that's that's what really drives me with these people is with these men is like I want to help them get rid of whatever's in the way and help them thrive and then maximize their ROP in life. And they're obviously their their success and their validation, their fulfillment. But I find every guy that I work with, somewhere between 30 and 50, sometimes as late as 60, almost every guy hits a wall where they just suddenly feel like, man, life is not life is not enjoyable anymore. I'm not getting the return on my investment. I don't feel happy. I don't feel successful. And a lot of them look around and they're like, I should be happy. What's going on? Like, what's wrong with me? Or you get a guy that's like we, many of us have experienced where you lost your job and suddenly like the foundation of your life just got ripped away. And then you're left there wondering like, what's, what's like, what do I have left? But I find like every guy goes through a period where, where we start to look for outward accomplishments, outward achievements, and we start to define our success by these checking boxes off type of thing. So that's why I think in oil and gas, right? Your truck, your side-by-side, your house, your boat, the accomplishment and the acquisition of all these assets makes you feel like, hey, you're successful. You're Look what you're doing. You're doing amazing things. Or you're, as you advance from a floor hand to driller to a company man to a pusher, like that makes you feel like, hey, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm doing great. But over time, what I find is whether you're oil field or whether you're, you know, finance or whether you're a doctor, that all of us as men do those types of things where we feel like, man, like you can put your shoulders back, put your chest out and be like, look at, I'm a self-made man. Look at, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm proud of myself. But what happens is between 30 and 50, you start to hit a wall where you start to think like, there's something missing here. Like I'm, this isn't giving me the return on investment that I thought it would. Why am I not happy? What is it that I'm missing? And I think what happens is without men realizing it, they get to a place where suddenly they start to realize like the outward successes, the acquisitions, the position, the success, those are superficial when it really comes down to it. They're not meaningful. I always ask guys like, what would you do if this was the last day that you had to live? If this was your last day on earth, would you care about all that stuff? And most guys are like, hell no. So it's like, well, if you don't care about it, if this was the last day, you shouldn't care about it today. And if, if on your eulogy, would you be like, man, that guy had a 12 inch lift on his Chevy and he had a badass, you know, he had a 50 foot, you know, high octane boats. And like, look at all the stuff he had. Like no one goes to a eulogy and says those things. People go to a eulogy and talk about who are you as a person? Who are you as a leader? Who are you as a father? How are you as a boss? How did you treat people? What was your legacy? So when these guys hit these walls at 30 to 50, really what they're telling me without them realizing it is they've realized that who they are has become all outward focused. 
but it's not giving them the attaboys that their inward desires really crave. And the world is telling them, you know, when you got all that stuff, you're the man. Or if you've got all the success, you're the man. But guess what? When we go to bed at night, we're not, we're, we're really craving the attaboys. We're really craving that we matter. We really crave that someone loves us. We really crave, actually, we really crave that we love ourselves. If you hate yourself and if you're not okay with who you are as a person, it's really hard to exist because you're literally kicking your own ass 24 hours a day. And then you're operating out of a place where your inward is, is fighting with your outward. But every one of these guys that I work with hit a wall where suddenly they realize, man, all this outward success is not giving me inward satisfaction and inward fulfillment and what's going on and why is it and how do I fix this? Man. What I find so interesting is you're kind of sharing that story and actually using the terminology of hitting the wall. I had a guest come on the show last year. His name is Tony Watley. I've known him for probably 20 years. Very successful in oil and gas, entrepreneur, started numerous side businesses over the years, made, did very well for himself financially and had all the baddest cars that you can come up with vets vipers old school camaros just it, like you name it and he had it it was he was known for being the, the car guy and he hit a <laughs> he was driving a viper at a racetrack wasn't even his i think it was a shop car and had some sort of a suspension issue on the top end of the track and the car went completely sideways and hit the wall and he thought this was it. I'm, I'm done. Now he survived. He walked away with minimal uh, injuries at all. But after that occurred, he started asking himself, hey, what's going to be on my eulogy? What are people going to talk about whenever I die? And he had this realization event of, I don't want to be known as the car guy. I don't want somebody to get up and say, hey, he was nice and he had all the cool cars. And from that point on, he started shifting his focus into something similar to what you're doing as far as building online communities to coach and mentor people. He was very much an introvert for the majority of his life and he started going to Toastmasters. He started investing in his own personal coaches, completely flipped his life around and now he has a community called 365 Driven and actually has some uh, multiple coaches that work with him on you know, coaching clients and it, it's just his story was inspirational and motivating for me and then whenever you, you shared everything that you just shared I, I flash back to Tony being in oil and gas and he literally hit a wall and while that is an extreme example I do think you're right I think men in their 30s and 40s and probably beyond they get to a point where they hit a wall and think there has to be more to life than this. There has to be more to life than making a bunch of money and having a bunch of cool stuff. And I love the fact that that is now your focus and purpose around helping others realize, hey, there's more to it and here's how you get there. So my question to you is, what are some of the, the tools and tactics that you employ or that you use to help people 
make that transition as first question. And the second is how long does this transition take for your clients? Because when people start engaging with a personal coach, life or executive, I think there's some misconceptions around, okay, well, I'm going to go talk with this guy for a month and then he's going to fix my life. What, what does that timeline look like for you in your experience? Yeah. Well, and, and I always find, I always struggle with the term life coach a bit because I, when I think life coach, I think of like, some yoga girl that's, you know, telling you to, you know, drink more organic orange juice and, and eat more tofu. <laughs> but honestly, like I, I see myself as like, listen, I, I just ran one of the biggest companies in the world. Let me help you find the success you're after, but let me help you do it the way that I did it because it'll actually get you to where you want to be rather than, you know, because I think a lot of men too, they think life coach are like, that, that ain't for me. That, that's, that's fruity stuff, right? And the ego starts to get in the way where it's just like, no, like, let's get you maximizing your business success, but I'm going to do it in a way that flips your ideas on their head. But what I typically do all the time is we got to go back to day one. We got to go back to find out what was life like from the day you were a little boy through to now and believe it or not there's a there's a fundamental breakdown that occurs when a little boy doesn't get the attaboys as a young child and tony robbins says when you heal the boy the man appears there's a there's a christian author called john eldridge that really speaks to the fact that if a little boy doesn't get the attaboys the love from his dad as a young child, he basically grows up with a broken hole inside his inside his soul that he's constantly looking for someone to be proud of him because as a little boy, the most important thing to you is your father. And when your father wasn't there, whether he was busy, working, an alcoholic, a, a Marine, a hard angry man, struggling with his own demons, whatever the case is, if your daddy didn't give you the hugs, give you the love, give you the attaboy, we all know what our little kids are like. They're always looking up to you and being like, daddy, look, daddy, look, like, look what I did. Well, imagine if you turn around and you're like, bye, see ya. Like, I didn't see what you just did. I don't care what you just did. I didn't hear what you just said. I'm not even going to tell you that I love you because of what you just did. Well, I mean, any of us did grow up with that. We did grow up with that vacancy, that void. And unbeknownst to us as males, we don't, a lot of us are like, ah, it's no big, it's no big deal. Like we're just going to carry on. That was when I was little, but believe it or not, that leaves a tremendous impact on you where suddenly you start to look for attaboys when you're 20, 30, 40, 50, but instead of it being your daddy, you're looking to financial success. You're looking to vocational success. You're looking to popularity. You're looking to all these outward ways of being like, yes, I'm proud of myself. Yes. My dad would be proud of me. And eventually we're not getting the attaboys because suddenly the financial success, well, if I make six figures this year, eventually the six figures is old hat. So now I move the goalposts up the field. Now I want to make more. I want to accomplish more. I want to buy more. And how many of us have bought that razor or that boat and next year it's sitting in our shop and we're going out to pay for it, but we're not even using it. And suddenly it's like the curb appeal of that item just dis disappeared. So I, it's a powerful thing when men go back to address why do they feel like they do when they, 
and helping them realize the way you feel like you do is because you're striving for someone to tell you that you did something that makes them proud of you, but you're looking for outward accolades rather than realizing you as a person are, you're, you're an amazing guy. You're, you're a noteworthy, beautiful son. You're a great husband. You're an amazing person. You're created to make a difference in this world. You're created to be a human being, not a human doing. But if you put value in a man and tell him, listen, like you're like, you're a stud, man. Like you yourself, forget about all the work, forget about all the accomplishments, forget about all the success. Like you and I are talking right now. You're an amazing human being, Sean. And it has, I don't even know what you do all the time, but it doesn't matter because you're a human being, you're a father, you're a husband, you're all these things that make you who you are. And if I can help someone like you or someone else realize that that's where your value comes from. And when you show up to work, suddenly that's just a tool in the tool belt. Your finances is just a tool in the tool belt, but you're the person wearing the tool belt. But if you realize like your value comes from who you are as a person, rather than thinking that your value is a sum of whatever's hanging off your tool belt, it changes things immediately. And then people start to change their perspective. They start to change where their value comes from. They change how they define success. And it, that's where we start the process of healing and restoration in refining and redefining what the future looks like. Damn. So there's <laughs> a lot to that. There is, there's a, there's a man, lot. as you were talking, I was, uh, I'm glad the camera's going to be flipping back and forth because <laughs> that, that message resonated with me. Um, yeah. I don't openly talk about it, but whenever I was two, my biological father abandoned my mom and I, and, and that was freaking brutal. And I'll say I'm very comfortable in saying that I had a chip on my shoulder. I had this mindset of, you know what, I'm going to do all of this great stuff and I didn't need you. And that was fulfilling for me early in my life as I was accomplishing the goals that I set out. I set five-year goals for myself and like freaking clockwork, I nailed them, every single one of them. And then once I got into my mid thirties and just kind of continued to process and, and figure out what's truly important in life, I realized that while the things that occurred to me at a very young age helped shape who I am, they don't have to define who I am today. And I came to this realization of how important it is to be able to give people those attaboys, to acknowledge the great things that they're doing. And it doesn't even have to be your children. I don't, I don't have any children, but I always tell my dog how great she is. <laughs> but all of the people across all of my teams, that's something that I've found that's just part of who I am as a leader. I want to acknowledge their greatness. I want to guide them and help them realize all of the incredible things that they can accomplish because I see so many people that they had their own struggles in life growing up. And so everybody's coming to the table with unique life experiences and being able to empathize with that and figure out what do they need from an acknowledgement and attaboy and like what do they need to feel fulfilled and have that sense of accomplishment that's part of what makes strong leaders 
so great at what they do. And I see, uh, you know, a lot of people that I coach and work with, they find themselves in senior leadership roles and it's, oh, I'm the boss. You're going to do what I say. That's not sustainable. You may see some high level of results for short periods of time, but on a long enough timeline, you're going to start dealing with attrition because people aren't going to want to work with you. And especially in oil and gas, you've definitely had a lot of exposure to that in your career where you have some strong leaders that are empathetic and and deploy kindness and candor, and, and they have very high-performing teams that will weather any storm with them. And then on the flip side, you have the boss who's an asshole and just a slave driver, and the first opportunity people on his team get to bounce, they are gone. They're, and And... So as leaders, I went on all sorts of rabbit holes there, but I think it's important as leaders that you understand what's truly important and it's not barking orders to get short-term results. It's about understanding your team and the people on your team and what drives them and giving them the opportunity to step up and be successful. Okay. All right, man, that's uh I went into a little bit of a frenzy there. Okay. Um, So talk to me a little bit about, you do keynote presentations. What are some of the topics that you like to cover? Well, I I do, I'm I'm actively involved. I got a real estate company, so I do a lot of keynotes on real estate. I'm also, I own a fitness company, so I do a lot of stuff with that. But I've, I've, like I did a recent keynote for the SPE in Houston, a few months back, but ultimately my, my overarching message is really encompassing a lot of this stuff, which is really helping teams realize what does success look like? How do you redefine, how do you get a team to work in a, in a cohesive, in a collaborative fashion? How do you create empowerment? And I'm a big believer like you are like the carrot or the stick approach it works until it doesn't work. And then you've got the retention issues that result and you've got culture. If you get people living in scarcity, living in fear, like you do in oil field, it's like do it or you'll spool your eggs kind of a thing. Like, it's just like, that doesn't work. Like it makes you realize that you're, you're a wrench in a toolbox and they'll replace you tomorrow with a new snap on. Like, it's just like, it's that quick and it's that easy. So, but my overarching thing is really helping Obviously for me, business success, scaling, optimization, continuous improvement culture is my business focus, but it has to fall up. It has to be secondary to empowering human capital and to empower human capital. You have to help the corporation realize like they are, their success is a sum of the pieces. So if you can help you, you take any corporation today, it's, it's about output. It's about, you know, revenue per quarter or meeting these shareholder expectations, making sure that they got their dividends to the shareholders on Wall Street. But at the end of the day, if you focus outwardly, just like you do as a man, if you're focusing outwardly instead of inwardly, you're gonna eventually hit a, a, a place of diminishing returns. Whereas if a corporation can realize their success will be magnified if they can empower every single person individually. And then what happens is the raising tide in the harbor raises all the ships. So if you can help empower people by helping people realize that we need to empower you each individually to live your best life, to thrive, then when you come to work, you're coming to work with a full tank of fuel, you're able to operate 
with maximum opportunity and maximum efficiency. Whereas the current society is like, we all come to work on fumes and then it's like, gosh, how am I going to make it through this week? And then wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah. They, <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate how prevalent that mindset is across corporate America. People are, they're living for the weekend. They come to work Monday through Friday. They're absolutely miserable and they're just waiting for the weekend to start. And I get that it can be challenging to follow your purpose and passion and make a decent living. Some people are better at it than others, but I think that speaks to the importance of investing in yourself. I have a number of people that I work with that are just absolutely miserable in their, in their current job. And my guidance to them is either patience or action. You can write it out and wait to see if things get any better. But if you've been working for a business or a company for 10 years and nothing has changed, you probably want to start leaning over here into action. And maybe you start investing in yourself so that you learn more about how finances work in a business. Learn how to start a business. And you got to do it on the side unless you've made a mass and decent amount of wealth to be able to just jump into it. But, you know, don't be afraid to take action just start doing it. And some people have that, that scarcity mindset that you talked about of just being petrified. Oh God, I'll never be able to make enough money to support my family. Okay. We'll start saving, take action, take the steps necessary to follow your purpose, follow your passion. And once you dive into it, it's going to be scary, but it will be very fulfilling and you will end up living a much happier life. Mm. So what's next for you? Well, I think what's next to me is obviously I, I definitely, I'm still in that journey of running multiple companies to try to make ends meet. It's not any one of them in particular is benefiting me today. A lot of them it's long-term my real estate, it's long-term mm -hmm. coaching people and helping empower companies. That's long-term my fitness company's long-term. But ultimately for me, it's just enjoying the journey. It's learning to, and, and this would be the message I have to every one of the guys that I can speak to is that you need to learn that today is an amazing day. Tomorrow may never show up. So how can you live for today? How can you enjoy today? <clears throat> because too many of us were fixated on, well, when this happens, when that happens, when I accumulate this, when I have that kind of income, when I get married, when I have kids, when I retire, like. I'm, I've gotten to a place where I refuse to do that anymore. I'm just here today. I got out of bed. I had a great coffee. I'm going to hang out with my brother, Sean. Today's going to be a great day. That's all I care about. And I'll figure out tomorrow, tomorrow. And so for me, my biggest thing is how much impact can I have today? And how can I play to the whistle today? And if I can be at peace with that and I can feel proud of myself today and feel love with myself and what I was able to accomplish today, I know that my efforts and my actions will accumulate to a great place of success. I just don't have all the answers today, but I'm going to keep leaning in and I'm going to keep, you know, hitting that gap and I'm just going to keep showing up and I know it's eventually going to bear fruit. But like you said, if you're living in scarcity and you're what if, what if, what if you'll what if yourself to death and you'll never do anything, but you're also lacking the valid, 
you're also lacking the value of today because you're not living for today because you're living in what if mode. So you're basically nullifying everything beautiful today, thinking that, well, when we get up interstate, you know, 60, we're finally going to be happy when we get to, you name it. When I get to Austin, I'll finally be happy. Well, what happens if we never get to Austin? What happens if we end up on the side of the road in Midland? Like, then we're stuck. And that's the thing is I have to, for me, I have big goals. I have big, I strive for success every day. I want to make a difference in the world. I want to change men's lives every day, every minute of every day. I want to change corporations every day. But today, I promise you, I'm going to focus on what's here, what's now, how I can do the most today, play to the whistle today, and live today to the fullest. Man, the, I absolutely love that approach. And you're, you're, you're right. Gary Vee always talks about fall in love with the process, not the destination. Or I'm sorry, fall in love with the journey, not the destination. And I've come to that realization in recent years of, of how important that is to living that happy and fulfilling life. So how do people contact you? Well, you can come find me on LinkedIn. Obviously, I'm, it's Pete Vanderveen at LinkedIn. I've got my website, triumphperformanceacademy.com. Um, my email is Pete at triumphperformanceacademy.com and my phone number is 808-276-0017. So any way I can help you, any way I can bless you, any way I can just help you live your best life, even if it's just a quick five minute coffee, like I'd love to just pour some, pour some abundance into your thinking and try to help you see what really matters in life. Man, Pete, I really appreciate everything that you're doing and appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, share a little bit about your story, what you do, and how you're helping to change people's lives. For all of you listening or watching, we're going to have all of Pete's contact information down in the show notes below. Please feel free to share this episode if you think it's going to add value to friends or family, anybody that you know. See if we can start networking a little bit more and, and spend a little bit of time. Reach out to Pete. Don't be afraid to just shoot him a message and say, hey, what's going on? And share a little bit about yourself. I have no doubt he's going to be able to help you out. That is all we have for the show today. Thank you so much, and y'all have a good one. <laughs>